Welcome to Marissa's Wicked Word Nosh, a place to chow down on topics relevant to writers of all kinds. Hello, and welcome to Marissa's Wicked Word Nosh. I'm Marissa. And I've had another week that's gone by way too quickly. I'm still trying to stay safe. You know how that is. Well, a few out of the ordinary things have happened to me this past week, I guess. Uh, something I posted on Twitter a few days ago was about a diabolical squirrel who's been hanging out at my apartment complex. A few weeks ago, I saw this crazy looking squirrel one evening when I was walking my dog. He just stood and stared at us with these stone cold eyes for a few seconds. And then he started to follow us. It was really weird and it was definitely more than a little creepy. I saw another squirrel during a morning walk a few days later. My dog wasn't with me, so he didn't chase me. But he just stood there and stared at me again with those eyes, which was unsettling. Then, a few afternoons ago, I saw the squirrel when I was about to walk my dog. And after staring at us for a few seconds, he charged at us. That really scared me. We had to go back inside for a minute, and while I was going back in, I saw him move back to where he was, but he was kind of watching for us to come out again. I think one of my neighbors walked by then, and who knows, maybe he went to follow them, because I didn't see him when I tried going out again a few minutes later. But now, I'm almost positive I'm going to see him again. There are quite a few squirrels around here, but judging from his behavior, which kind of the same every time, creepy, I think it's the same one. And he's always by himself. It's like he's such an asshole, the other squirrels probably want no part of him. And I know this probably sounds absurd. I would think it's absurd if I wasn't going through this right now. But I don't want my sweet little dog to get bitten. She's had a rabies shot, but I don't want to see her in pain from a squirrel bite. And I haven't had a rabies shot recently, nor do I particularly want to venture out to get one in the middle of a pandemic. I've been wearing shorts and ankle socks outside because it's so hot here, but now I'm thinking I need to put on sweatpants. Although, if this little bastard tries to take a chunk out of my leg, I don't know if sweats will be enough protection against rabies. Who knows? I may have to get a pair of combat boots just to walk the dog. Jesus, I've been worried about snakes since I moved here a few years ago. And now a squirrel? Well, you can look at it this way. At least there's a little excitement here. Anyway, it feels kind of weird for me to go on like that. P.
people who can just start talking about almost any topic under the sun, or who even can go into detail about the most, most mundane aspects of their day, they amaze me. I guess they can get annoying when they keep talking and talking. Well, there's no guessing there. They can get annoying. Especially when they don't let anyone else say anything. But I kind of admire the fact that they never seem to run out of things to say, and that they can just start talking with ease, with little to no provocation. Sometimes I feel like I don't have very much to say, but even if I do, I tend to assume that no one's particularly going to care. Once back in grammar school, I volunteered some information during a discussion in class, and a few of my classmates burst out laughing and asked me why I thought anyone would care. I generally didn't have an easy time socially in grammar school. And that kind of painful memory is still pretty vivid for me. So maybe that's somewhere in the back of my mind whenever I start thinking that no one will care what I have to say. And it seems likely that incidents like that, that happened decades ago, have influenced the ways I prefer to communicate and the ways in which I try to avoid communicating. I believe it's even influenced why I've written in certain styles and genres, and largely avoided writing in others, one of which is the topic of this week's episode, memoir. As I see it, if people weren't interested in some random fact I foolishly blurted out in a class way back when, what would make me think anyone would be interested in reading a whole book about me? I'm not sure I'd be interested in reading such a book, to be perfectly honest. But is that all memoir is? A work in which the writer talks about facts and events from their lives? I started wondering if maybe I don't have a strong understanding of what memoir really is. Sure. It seems to be a popular genre. Several writers in the writing group I used to belong to were working on memoirs while I was a member. Also, one of my all-time favorite books is a memoir, Anthony Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential. I was a huge fan of all of his shows on the Food Network, the Travel Channel, and CNN. And even though he passed over two years ago, I still miss watching him. I think I love the book so much, not only because I was familiar with some of what's in it from watching him so much, but also because he had such a unique, refreshing perspective on just about everything and such a distinctive voice. I haven't listened to more than a sample of the audiobook version. I probably should get it, but I could easily picture him narrating it when I read it. Some other favorite memoirs of mine are Dave Eggers' heartbreaking work of Staggering Genius and the memoir essays of David Sedaris. I've also read a few memoirs that left strong impressions on me, even though they featured characters that I didn't particularly like and events or circumstances that I found disturbing. 
such as Elizabeth Wurzel's Prozac Nation and, earlier this year, Tara Westover's Educated. But if you were to ask me to describe some common features of memoirs, well, one of the reasons I do this podcast is to find out more about different styles of writing and writing techniques. So, let's dive in. In a blog post titled, Characteristics of a Memoir, that I'll post a link to in the show notes, Melissa G. Wilson points out that most memoirs specifically focus on something in particular. She mentions relationships or events as examples, but suggests that what is focused on really doesn't matter as much as the writer's ability to effectively communicate its significance to the reader. Wilson goes on to explain that the memoirist should aim to give readers a comprehensible story arc. To accomplish this, she suggests an ABC model in which, quote, A is the introduction. It tells the reader what to expect from the story. B is the the body of the story where all of the details that were promised in the introduction come to fruition. C is the conclusion, wrapping up everything offered before into a package that is nice and neat." End quote. Now, that might sound rather basic. In general, good stories of any, any genre follow that model, although that, not necessarily in that order. To paraphrase what the great film director Jean-Luc Godard once said about films. But it just goes to show that if you're writing your memoir, you can't just throw together a bunch of random happenings. In fact, Wilson goes on to say that memoir writing should be, quote, deliberate in nature, end quote, with no unnecessary information. Which doesn't mean it needs to be dry. Details are great, as long as they add to the overall picture. For example, suppose you're writing a memoir essay on, I don't know, making art, drawing, painting. Say you love to draw or paint, but you need to have music on in the background when you draw. There's nothing unusual about artists having music on in the background when they work. If you've ever read Juxtapose magazine, in a lot of interviews, the interviewer will ask the artist, what do you like to have on in the background while you're working? That's why you'll probably try the reader's patience real quick if you just say, include a bunch of Spotify playlists somewhere in the essay. But if you listen to a certain type of music when you work, and even certain bands, maybe because it helps you focus better, or maybe makes you more reflective, and you end up channeling those emotions into your art, by all means, going into a little detail about what that music does for you probably will add a nice touch. Another point that Wilson makes that I think is important is that a memoir isn't meant to be your life story. Here, she distinguishes it from autobiography by explaining that, quote, memoirs are about specific snapshots in time 
which have lessons offered to the reader. End quote. I think this suggests that memoir can be a flexible genre in terms of length, depending on the topic, the writer's style, and the message the writer is trying to put forth. An essay, such as those included in Kitchen Confidential, can work just as well as a full-length work, such as a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. Also, Wilson says that a memoirist doesn't need to be 100% accurate, because in general, readers want to see the story unfold from the writer's unique perspective, rather than a factual narration. Also, I think it's safe to assume that no matter how good a memoirist's memory is, they're probably not going to remember every word of every relevant conversation they've had. Or, I don't know, they may be writing about an elaborate meal that they once had and say that they were eating octopus when they actually ate squid, something like that. I know that's a little crazy, but I couldn't think of anything better. That said, though, I do think the writer should strive to tell the truth to the best of their ability which means that purposely exaggerating facts in the hopes of making your story more appealing to readers is not cool. I didn't read James Fry's A Million Little Pieces, which was one of Oprah's book club selections in 2005, and went on to become a bestseller before it was discovered to feature a significant amount of exaggerated and inaccurate information. I do remember there was a big controversy over that. I think the publisher told people who bought the book that they were entitled to a refund if they felt they'd been intentionally deceived. And Fry was brought back onto Oprah's show to be scolded by her. And to be honest, I don't know if I should judge Fry that harshly. First of all, because I haven't read the book, as I said, and second, because he was writing about some heavy shit, about his substance abuse and rehabilitation, and his claim that some of the fabrications were one way for him to cope with what he was going through. But knowing a memoir I'd read had made-up elements would lead me to think that the writer was hoping that by bending the truth, he or she would sell more books. If you need to bend the truth, why not just write fiction? It can be heavily influenced by your own life, but by labeling it as a novel, you won't have to worry about one day being accused of portraying it as something it isn't. Another article I looked at in putting this episode together called How to Write a Memoir Seven Creative Ways to Tell a Powerful Story by Brooke Warner offers some additional insight into truthful memoir writing. Warner acknowledges that you may not want to hurt those close to you, but if you're aiming for an honest portrayal of a certain period of your life, it's probably necessary to include them if they played a pivotal role. In this case, I don't think there's a problem with you 
maybe changing their names or altering some details that may otherwise identify them. Although it is probably a good idea to put a little disclaimer at the beginning of your work clarifying that you changed some names and such. Of course, some people you write about will probably still claim that they recognize themselves, no matter how hard you try to alter identifying details. And that doesn't just apply to people whom you might portray in a negative light. You might want to write about some people who've had a positive impact on you, and who have only treated you with the best intentions in mind. But they might be private people who never imagined they'd appear in someone's book. Warner also advises against writing, quote, in a snarky manner or with a bitter tone, end quote, which I agree with. Not so much because it'll be less likely to piss off real-life people you might have written about, but because that type of writing may reflect badly on you. Readers will get more out of your memoir if they see that you've grown and changed. I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast episode, but remember learning in middle school English about round and dynamic and flat and static characters? Who wants to be flat and static? So even if the experiences you're writing about made you toxic for some time, don't hide it. But do show how you grew and became less toxic and describe ways in which you've improved since then. Your reader will probably appreciate that immensely. In an article called How to Write Your Memoir, A Five-Step Guide, Jerry Jenkins offers some additional insight into memoir writing. He describes the difference between autobiography and memoir in more detail. And I'm not going to talk much about autobiography now because I'm starting to think I may want to devote a future episode to autobiography. God, I love when I get ideas for future episodes when I'm already working on an episode. But basically, Jenkins suggests that autobiography is mainly about the writer. Whereas, you could almost say memoir is about the reader as much as it is about the writer. Don't get me wrong. A memoir is your story. But ideally, you want to put it across in a way in which the reader can apply aspects of your story to their own lives, no matter how different they may appear on the surface. As Jenkins puts it, quote, Give them insight about life through your experiences. Give them the tools they need to overcome their own struggles, even if they're not at all like yours. Give them a model for overcoming. End quote. Your readers may be going through some challenges of their own, and knowing how a real-life human being went through a trying time can be just as encouraging to them as something they might have found in the self-help section of their local bookstore. So, now that we hopefully have a better idea of what a memoir is and isn't, how should you actually write it? In terms of tone, language, that sort of thing. 
In an article titled, How to Write a Memoir, The Complete Guide to Getting Started, Bella Rose Pope stresses that you put your personality into it. She advises doing something you may have heard from a writing teacher or a writer you admire say at some point, quote, don't be afraid to write how you speak. Talk to them as if you were talking to a friend, end quote. It's pretty easy to see why this is the case. It makes your voice more authentic, which increases the, relate the relatability factor for your readers. So if you're writing about a traumatic experience, but normally speak in a humorous tone, which isn't as strange as it might sound, a lot of comedians and other artists known for making us laugh have battled demons at some point in their lives. Don't think you need to adopt a super serious tone if it doesn't feel right for you. Rose also suggests you throw in what she calls quote unquote personal lingo, such as words or phrases you use often. And I'd add that if you and or the people you're writing about speak in a dialect, don't be afraid to throw some of that in. Also, in writing a memoir, it's important that you remember to show rather than tell. Sound familiar? Pope suggests that you can do this by describing the physical reactions you experienced, rather than just stating what emotion you were feeling at the time. For example, Instead of saying you felt fearful, describe the chills coursing through your body and the sensation that the little hairs in your arms were standing on end. Pope also recommends using strong verbs that are appropriate for the emotions you're trying to express. Maybe you received some disappointing news and saying that your heart broke just won't get the point across as well as saying your heart plummeted. That's a corny example. But the point I'm trying to make here is you want your readers to feel they're experiencing what you went through with you rather than as if they're listening to you recite a story to them. There's more to be said about memoir writing for sure. But for now, I think it's important to remember that even though this type of writing does seem to involve some do's and don'ts. It's a flexible genre that can be rewarding for reader and writer alike. You don't need to be a celebrity or a prominent member of your community to write a compelling memoir. Hell, your life as a whole probably doesn't need to be all that unique. If you've had a few extraordinary experiences over the course of an otherwise uninteresting life, you may be able to knock out a few memoir essays. Although there can be much more than meets the eye to a life that appears boring on the surface. Also, while I've gotten the impression from the memoirs I've read that the writers felt the need to tell these particular stories when they did. It may be uncomfortable for you to write honestly about real things that happened to you at first, 
Maybe you've always been the type who's bottled up your emotions, and you're not used to opening yourself up to people you've known for years, let alone to readers you've probably never met. You won't be the only memoirist who's faced such challenges, but it'll probably get easier for you the more you do it. And you'll most likely feel better once you put what you need to say down on the page. And knowing that your story might one day make your readers realize that others have gone through something others have experienced, and maybe even inspire them to make a much-needed change in their lives, is huge. So, have you tried writing a memoir? If so, who or what inspired you to try it? I would really love to hear about it. Email me at marissadellefarfale at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at, at marissad13 and on Instagram at marissadf13. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, as it'll help a lot more people find out about this show. Until next time, Thanks so much for all of the support and encouraging feedback you give me. It really blows me away to learn that you're getting something from my podcast. And I really enjoy giving you this information to make you aware of just how many opportunities you have to experiment with different types of storytelling and finding out the one that works best for you. Whether or not memoir writing is something that appeals to you, either as a writer or as a reader, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe and peace out. This podcast has been brought to you by Anchor, which is the easiest way to make a podcast. Go to anchor.fm for more info.